Thank you, Lord, for your abiding presence with us. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit just energizes us, comforts us. He is everything to us, Father. Thank you so much for the relationship that we have with you. And we thank you we have a covenant that cannot be broken. You keep covenant and mercy to 10, 12, 20 generations. We're so thankful. And we bless you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about building your ark of safety. Amen. How to build your ark of safety for you and, and your children and your children's children. Amen. All of your seed. And, and uh, we are building an ark where others can run in and find shelter. Uh, there's so many references to us being uh, responsible, to be honest with you, for the peace, safety, and comfort of others in this earth. And, and uh, you know, what the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's one. The parable of the, the um, mustard seed. The Bible says it starts out as the smallest of all seeds, but it grows to a large plant and birds of the air can come in and find lodging there, can find refuge there. And so people are directed, God directs people toward us as a refuge. We are a safe place, a sanctuary and a shelter for anybody that God would send to us. So you're not just here to pass the time away and uh, go to church to get checked off that you had attendance that day and and go home and do your your routine whatever comes to your mind but we are ambassadors for Christ and we are on assignment here uh in the earth and and you pick up your assignment through your relationship with God um I was a, a believer um uh, just finding my way in God uh for the first I would say four to five years of my born again life, I was housebound. I couldn't go out. If I went out, it was just real small bits of time and, and, um, just trying to find my way back to sanity is really what it was because the devil had really taken my mind over. And it's a blessing to have power, love, and a sound mind. It's a blessing to have the Holy Spirit. But one thing I did know is that whenever I opened that Bible, God spoke to me. He taught me things. He helped me. He gave me reassurance of all things. And one of the things that I began to see is that God was using me and wanted to use me to lead other people to him. And you don't have to really have Christianity 101 to come to that recollection or that recognition. Because when you're saved, when Christ lives in your heart, he automatically reaches out to other people. He, You automatically see your life as different. You see your life as, as not so much having problems now, but having answers. And it was the most amazing thing to me how quickly I became aware of the fact that I now had something that was eternal and precious and God wanted me to share that with other people. Like I remember sitting one day thinking and I said, well, God, um, because 
the way I understood salvation, it was so you didn't go to hell and you could go to heaven. And I think that's a good revelation to have. Because there are a lot of Christians that don't believe there's a hell anymore. Or they say they're Christians and they don't uh, believe there's punishment for disobedience and reward for obedience. That's why people live the way they do. And so if you can get a revelation that you've been spared from hell, that's a blessed assurance. Amen. That That's what they mean when they say blessed assurance. And so once I began to understand that, I remember thinking and asking God one day, I said, well, God, if I'm on my way to heaven, I said, and I'm not going to die right now, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> You know, and so the understanding came to me that I was to work for him and that what I was going to do for him was going to be very important and part of it. And see, that's what we have to get as believers. Don't get this idea that you're special and you're wonderful and you have all these gifts and all, but understand that your work is important. Whatever you do for God, it's important because God is in it. God is is your importance. He makes it important. He makes it uh, real. He makes it fruitful. He makes it what he wants it to be. And once we get a revelation of of importance of the work, I think we'll get up every morning thinking, I got a job to do. You know, whether you have a secular job or not, you get up every morning with the aware, I got a job to do today. I've got to, to do what God wants me and it's important work because it's going to mean heaven or hell for somebody. It's going to, it's going to have eternal value. And so that's, that's the thing that I think we need to, to do and, and understand that God first wants to save your household. Household salvation is the theme of the Bible. Amen. It starts out uh, from uh, from the first judgment on the earth with Adam and Eve and in knowing that God made coats of skin so that their sins could be remitted for that season and that life would go on. And then they had more seed and more sons and more daughters and life continued to go on. And so God began to bring man under uh, his blood covenant way back in the garden. And so when we come up to the time of Noah, we start to see the concept of household salvation expanded. Amen. So God begins to expand and expound on what he has in mind. You are saved not because you're special. You are saved because God decided to save you. But you're not just saved as a single person. You're saved as a representative of a body of believers, as a representative of the household of faith. You're not singled out and everybody else go to hell. You're not special. He chose you for his reasons. But he chose you so that you could do his will down here and bring many sons and daughters to Christ. Amen. So that's our job is to be his representative, bring many sons and daughters, anybody who loves their family, who has God's love in them. You want them saved. Amen. That's just normal. Uh, Just like if you if you got a raise, you think about what what impact it would have on your whole family. Most people who are family minded, the minute somebody, something comes into your possession that's valuable, you think about other people. 
you think about who you can share it with, etc. When you have God living on the inside of you, you're always thinking about somebody else. And so when we understand that about ourselves, that God put that love in us for a reason so that we could allow him to use that love to draw other people to him. Amen. And just let your light shine. What does that mean? Let your light shine. Just be who you are and obey God. Amen. You don't have to pattern yourself after somebody else. You know, the problem we have sometimes with in Christianity is everybody's trying to copy the person they think gets the most attention from everybody. Everybody's trying to copy everybody else. That's why when God starts revival, it's kind of like off the rails of what has been going on before, you know. Uh, if you look at when Jesus came and began to preach the good news, he didn't confine his message to the synagogue, but the Pharisees did. If they went outside the synagogue, they'd go out in sackcloth and ashes and try to pretend like they were fasting and look real gaunt and everything. What they did in public was a show to draw men to them. What Jesus did when he would go out was to draw all men to the Father. And so he took his message outside of the synagogue. Why? Because he, to demonstrate that God didn't live in a house anymore, he, he wanted to dwell in the hearts of men. So if you're going to get God to dwell in the hearts of men, you're going to have to take God to where the hearts of men are. And that is to go, amen, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And so God is doing a different thing even now in his um in drawing men to him and preaching the gospel. You know, church people are funny. We we think everything depends on us in the way we do things. And we forget God is out there and he really can use anybody he wants to use <laughs> in the way he wants to use them. I see a lot of buzz right now. Uh, especially on Facebook and social media about Kanye West having these Sunday services. He calls it Sunday service. He had one in Detroit yesterday, <laughs> didn't notify anybody in advance and just announced like five hours ahead of the meeting that we're going to, and you can get a ticket and they're free. <laughs> anybody gets there can come. Now, 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 Christians, church people, are questioning, is he saved or ain't he saved? Is he, because he's not doing things the way church people do them. Why? Because he ain't a church people. He's not representing a church. I think he's trying to represent Jesus. He doesn't give his testimonies the way we do, like we're reading off a script sometimes. You know how some ministers can get so polished at giving their testimony, you could always almost recite it out of their book they just wrote with it written word for word in there. It never varies. You got me? And so maybe God is doing something different. And if the church would let God do what he wants to do, he'll get the work done. 
sometimes people can reach people we never could reach because we can't figure we trying to what, what let me tell what church people do we read each other's books to find out how the last minister that said he got some people saved how he did it instead of getting on your knees and finding out how god wants you to do it you got me and then we wind up missing all of these pockets of people because we don't know how to reach them because we're trying to get somebody's steps and formulas for how to reach out to this group, how to reach out to that group, how to reach out. Instead of just going out into all the world and opening your mouth and let them fill it with words and, and pray for people and learn how to love people and, and learn how to treat God as, see God as God, what people as God would have you see them. That's, that's the biggest part of it is valuing other people the value you place on them depends on how you relate to god whatever you however you relate to god is reflected in how you treat others amen he says we're to love men with all of our heart soul mind and strength love god with all our heart and our neighbor as ourselves amen so you're to hold that other person in higher esteem than you hold yourself willing to make sacrifices willing to go out of your way willing to do some things that are necessary to be done in order to please god and and serve humanity it's a whole nine yards and so when we get an understanding of what God expects out of us and, 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 and it will always have that heart for God and it won't be hard for us to believe God to save whoever it is. The most wicked person we can believe God to save them. Uh, the most religious crazy person we can believe God to save them. We can believe God to save the, uh, this little girl that's going around uh, cursing everybody in the world because of global warming, you know, letting people use her. She's an autistic girl, but, uh, that's how they get your sympathy. So you won't, you, so you have to listen to her. You know, there's so much witchcraft and manipulation now in the world. And people have always used little children to get their message across and, and abuse them in that way. So that's not new. But, but God is wanting us as believers, as His people, to be uh, an ark of safety, a sanctuary, a place of refuge, a place where people can come. They'll say, oh, I know I, if I go over there, those people will pray for me, and I know God will meet me over there. That's what he wants, amen. He wants you as a neighbor to be that neighbor in your neighborhood where your neighbors can say, I know if I go over and I walk, you know, if I walk over there, those people go to church because I see them going all the time or they seem to be devoted to God, et cetera, et cetera, you you know, I tell by the T-shirts they put on and whatever, whatever, that that becomes your witness. And then you become the ark of safety for those who need a refuge. Amen. The refuge is open to everybody now. That's the great thing about we we can't look at some people and say, well, God is only God of the Samaritans and he's only the God of the Jew or he's only the God. You know, the gospel is open to everybody now. And so we can be an ark of safety for the whole wide world. So turn to Genesis chapter six and we're going to talk about Noah and how God used him to build an ark of safety for his household because everybody else was under judgment. Amen. Now, when I say under judgment, it's it's because God spoke this. 
I'm not talking about these people that are always saying God's God's uh, going to judge the earth. Oh, we're so wicked and we're so this. I beg your pardon. I'm a righteous person. I don't know about what you do, but I know God will never condemn the righteous with the wicked. What's the point of serving him if you get to go down with everybody who's not doing right? He's not like that. That's not our God. So he will preserve the righteous. The Bible says the righteous will be had in everlasting remembrance. Amen. So your works will live after you, long after you. Amen. So in Genesis chapter 6, it talks about how wicked the earth was. In verse 1, it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now we believe that these are the, uh, when they say sons of God, these are angels, uh, fallen angels that tended to uh, uh, reproduce with humans at that time. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his day shall be a hundred and twenty years. So God says he won't always strive, but he would allow man a hundred and twenty years. So that's what our guarantee is. That's never been rescinded. Amen. Uh, you know, we see people who live, uh, you're always, um, who is that guy that on the Today Show the one that had all the uh, people who lived to be a whole lot of years. What's his name? Yeah, Willard Scott. Yeah, he'd always get everybody. He said, uh, Mrs. So-and-so and such-and-such is 110 today. And, you know, he's celebrating people as they approach that 120. And so we can see that that's part of God's guarantee. It says they were giants in the earth in those days. And so after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were men of old men of renown. So these were very powerful giant sized people that were on the face of the earth. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord says, I'll destroy man who I'm created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creepy thing to follow the air. For it repenteth me that I made them. But Noah found grace. There's always but that but clause. Whenever God is set on destruction... So this shows you that his heart is more toward mercy than it is toward judgment. Or else why would he stop the judgment? He is always more toward mercy. And he says here, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now how did he find it? Well, you you need to know what that means for you. This is no uh, recipe book here. If he found grace, you need to ask God, God, let me have find out how what God Noah had going for him so I can get it going for me. You understand what I'm saying? God's no respecter of persons. Says these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And that's how you find grace in God's sight. You walk with God. You find out what he expects from you. You you let him share his thoughts with you. 
share his expectations, share his purpose with you. That's how you, you find grace in his sight. You walk with him and you don't drop his hand. Amen. You hold on to, as they say, his unchanging hand. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. And all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And he says, in, in, when I'm going to do that, he said, destroy them, not you, Noah. I'm going to destroy the wicked and violent people, and I will spare you. So when judgment time comes, it always comes with a warning. God probably had warned the wicked uh, of their wickedness. If he warned Noah, he would warn them. But there came a time when they didn't obey God's voice and God said, well, I'm done with this. So the warning is still out there. It's only the wicked can't hear it anymore. The Bible talks about that. It says your ears are dull of hearing. Amen. Because if you keep resisting God, his voice gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And pretty soon you can't really hear it anymore. And so... That's why God often has to send a messenger to people, somebody who will tell them what thus saith the Lord. And that's us. We are the messengers that will allow God's mercy and his grace, forgiveness, uh, forgiving power to come into a person's life. Many times they just can't hear him anymore. That's why you have to preach the gospel because people don't. They don't know. It's not that they don't know right from wrong, but they don't know the answer to their problem. It hasn't been put together for them. This is why a lot of times you can think people, well, you know, people watch Christian television. There's so much stuff you can read, but they're not going to let them. You guys still got to preach. We can't get off the hook for preaching the gospel. We have to, until all men have heard, we are to preach the gospel. And so the righteous, though, are open to God's voice. Now they will be, so So Noah was open and attentive to God's voice. And that's what we have to have. You have to always be looking for God to help you, to give you knowledge, to give you understanding, to impart wisdom, whatever it is. Uh, so the righteous listen to God's voice, but the wicked continue in sin. They never think that day is coming. Amen. So this was a case in Noah's time. He was righteous. The rest of the people around him were wicked. So he walked with God. That's how you stay free from sin. You walk with God. You don't listen to people. You don't pay attention to what they tell you. You know, oh, yeah, why do you always got to do this? And why you always, you know, like, it's like little kids, you know, when your kids, when they're real small, they don't understand mommy and daddy have to go to work, you know, and they don't want you to stay home and play with them. You know, why you got to always leave me, et cetera, et cetera. And so God, God kind of has to get us to understand that eventually people will either accept 
your your desire to serve God or your your decision to walk with God it has to be a decision on your part amen uh these things you decide one time you don't keep deciding over and over and over again you decide one time you're going to follow God and you just follow him continually amen you know uh, i remember when when uh, i was first called to the ministry I had been saved, you know, probably about seven years or so before God started to speak to me about the call to the ministry. And and I know that there were some things that he did pretty quickly uh, after I got, you know, from being housebound and on medication and all that kind of stuff. I was kind of like medicine free finally and I could trust my mind I could think right and you know wasn't depressed off and on and and all that kind of stuff and and God started to infuse his life into me and and I remember when he began to call me to ministry um, I could see um, a difference in my husband's attitude you know, like before when I was saved, I was just a crazy lady trying to find my, trying to find my mind. And as long as I didn't bug him too much about his comfortable lifestyle, you know, we were friends. <laughs> so, so to speak. But, uh, there came a time God wanted more out of me. He wanted more commitment from me. And I remember telling the Lord, I said, well, God, I'll do anything you tell me to do. I said, but if you could please help him to understand what you're doing. I said, I don't want to have to keep explaining myself, you know, and get into strife and arguments because, you know, many times I wasn't real pleasant about it. You know, (laughs) I felt like, hey, it's your fault I was depressed all them years. You understand what I'm saying? So those things are in you sometimes where you you need God's healing and you need his forgiveness. You need to forgive other people and all of that. And, you know, I I would get resentful. How dare you try and come and reclaim my life? You didn't want me back then. I belong to God. Now leave me alone. Amen. And and so, you know, it's like that sometimes you you're just on the verge yourself of jumping in the flesh with somebody when they start wanting to disturb your comfortable life. And then I think, oh, God, I should walk in love. How did I get way over there? You know, the devil push you over there in a, in a New York minute if he can. But you still have to stay firm with people about your commitment to God. You know, there's certain things that you have to protect in a godly way and not let them be disturbed. And so this is what Noah had to do every single day of his life. He had to get up and see people in the flesh doing all kind of wicked things, doing whatever they wanted to and resist the temptation to get in his flesh and get over there with him. So it's not like he got up and walked with God every day and had blinders on and, you know, all this kind of stuff. He had to make a conscious decision to keep his commitment to God every single day. And there were there were times, I'm sure, where he would look at it and wonder, God, everybody's doing that. Why shouldn't I be doing it too? Huh? But but he made his offerings and his sacrifice. I believe he had a daily routine that he followed with God that if he didn't break it it's it it protected him and protected their their uh, relationship and and there are some things that we do as believers I think early in your walk with God that they keep us 
from straying away from God. You know, they keep us from backsliding. They keep us from going too far. They keep us from missing God and they keep us being blessed and prospering in God. You can't deviate from those basic things. You know, just because an idea comes to you and you don't think there's anything wrong with it doesn't mean God wants you to do it. You you got me? Uh, you have to keep your personal covenant with God as well. You know, I know a lot of times when people, women, women want to wear pantsuits in the pulpit. I don't mess around with that. I just don't. I don't do it. I don't. Do you understand what I'm saying? And people have long since trying to convince me that it's okay. I have a covenant with God I have to protect. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or I don't even talk on what it means for other people. Because that's not my business. But I have a personal covenant with God. That says, I will dress modestly to me. Modest is a skirt as long as you can get it. You got me? And don't say they don't make anything other than that in in the store because they do. (laughs) If they don't, you can go get it made. (laughs) The Duggars let the cat out of the bag. They go to Goodwill and get them long denim skirts and (laughs) wear them everywhere. But it's it's what you want to present to people before God. You know, I don't need the trouble of having people behind my back. They do that enough as it is. You understand what I'm saying? I don't need people whispering about, oh, you see what she had on? It's going to always be the same. It's going to be something, a skirt, and it's going to be covering as much of the jacket covers as much as it can. You understand what I'm saying? And we just dress modestly before God. I, I, I gave that life up. Many, many years ago, you know, so let's get this straightened out here. There must be some division, some cutoff points, certain things you don't do anymore to stay sanctified before God. That's your personal covenant between you and God. If you're one of these people like to ride the edge all the time, go ahead and help yourself. But I think it's real good to stay close to God as you can. And there are certain things that you commit to the Lord that you don't violate. Because in the day of temptation, they will keep you. You got me? They will keep you. They will keep you. Yeah, I remember before I was saved, I didn't think anything to, you know, if, if some, uh, I had a, uh, a man that I knew in school or something like that, we'd go and sit and have lunch or something like that because I didn't want to eat by myself. But now that I'm a Christian, after I got to, got saved, I wouldn't dare think of doing that. If I can't find a girl to eat with, I just eat in my car by myself, you know, because the devil will use any crack in any door he can to get in there. You got me? To get in there, he will get in there. And so we have to to keep those things sacred between. They sanctify you. They separate you. They set you apart so that your mind will always be free to hear God. Your heart will always be dedicated to God. And you don't give the enemy a chance to wedge, put a wedge in that door between you and the Lord so he can come in there and steal so just as God told Noah his plans he will tell you his plans too how does God talk to us he'll tell you through his word that's number one 
He'll tell you through voices. And when I say voices, God will use anybody that he wants to use to speak to his children. It can be a total stranger. It can be somebody you know from church, another brother or sister in the Lord. It can be, but he also uses his prophets. Amen. So he, he, the Bible says he will do nothing without revealing the secret to his servants, the prophets. Why? Because it's their job to hear from God and to announce what God is saying when God gives them the release to do that. Amen. So God will also reassure you that just like you walk with him every day, he's going to walk you through this. Amen. So he will be with you in trouble. He will deliver you and honor you with long life. He will satisfy you and show you his salvation, deliverance, healing, whatever it is that you desire from him. And so as you're faithful to God, just to stay close to him, stay obedient. God, I don't want to do anything unless I check it out with you first. You know, there's sometimes when God will ask God, I said, well, do you want me to do this? And if I never hear from him, I don't bug him about it again. You got me? I mean, it's <laughs> I was that smart with my husband. If if he didn't want to do something, I keep begging him to do it. You understand what I'm saying? It's <laughs> <laughs> I might do other things, but I wasn't, nah, Let's, ah, wake up everybody, whatever, whatever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. I'll say, well, let's do, uh, I used, I was a pretty good arm wrestler, you know. <laughs> I started with, where's your four-year-old? Let me arm wrestle. Bam! And then I worked my way up. But, uh, I would try to arm wrestle him for extra money and stuff like that. Whatever, you know, I mean, come on now. Make the game interesting. Let's put a little wager out here. Amen. So, I know, I know. It's called Desperate Housewives. Amen. <laughs> Get desperate sometimes. The brother, the brother chiding up too much, you know. So just as God told Noah his plans, he will tell you. Don't you ever think that anything God does is going to catch you by surprise. There are Christians out here who have no clue what's going on in the realm of the spirit. And if they're little faithful people, they just go to the dead church and go home. Go to dead church and go home. Or if they're not faithful people, they go sometimes, they watch a little Christian television, watch a little this, watch a little that. To me, that's called mixing your own salad. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, let God prepare your, your food for you and let him help you uh, for with what you need. You know, you'll always stay confused sailing around like that. It won't grow very much. And so God has a way for us to stay planted where he positions us for our growth. Because what you need to, what you need to feed your spirit depends on what you're called to do. And every preacher on TV is not called to train you. Amen. For what you're called to do. So you gotta understand how to use your time wisely. Cause see what happens, people don't grow very much and then they get discouraged and they quit pursuing God, period. When he had food for you that he selected for you. It's like everybody, the personal trainer is Ian nowadays. Everybody's got a personal trainer. Now these people don't study nutrition. 
nobody really is an expert in nutrition. But they learn enough stuff so that they can impress you that they know what they're talking about. You got me? And so people people grab people like that left and right because the world's so insecure. Without God, the world is very insecure about their worth, their purpose, their abilities, all of that stuff. So what we're living through now in society is the effects of of 50 or 60 years of living without God. Take him out of the school, start aborting babies, all of these things. Now people want to sue Christians if they try to teach you how to live right, how to live for God. And so when you think about it, we're kind of like a little bit the way Noah was. We've got to learn how to keep our noses clean, stay out of the world's opinion, stay out of the world's attitude, don't pick up what the world is doing, don't shop around for for revelation and knowledge, learn how to, to stay where God placed you and get your revelation where he tells you to get it from. Amen. You know, sheep are always curious, you know. Um, that's why I think God keeps their their food close to the ground. You keep your head down so you're not getting distracted by every every little thing to go somewhere. And just stay with what God has given you. You understand what I'm saying? You stay with what He's given you. Learn how to be a good watchman. Learn how to how to have a heart to pray for people. Learn how to study the word and hide the word in your heart so that you can be valuable and asset for God. In this calling. You got me? And and get your needs met. Learn how to pray for your finances. For your health. Get your household healed. Get your household saved. If you can work on those things. That's a load right there. That's a, a full time job. Just keeping the, keeping the ark together. Amen. And so you have to know what you're here for. You got to know your priorities in God. You got to know how God wants to help you and, and what his instructions are. So in verse 14, we start with God's instructions for building the ark. What are you building? What's God got you working on? Everybody's got a project, folks. Everybody's got something that they're called to do. And I'm here to tell you, if your loved ones are not in the ark of safety yet, if they're not all serving God, that's project one. That's project number one. You can't get distracted and go do something else you think is more fun because you've gotten discouraged about your family. You've got to stay in faith for your family. You've got to stay walking in love before them. And living as a witness before them. So God gives instructions and he tells them to make an ark of gopher wood. Oh, but I like pine better. Huh? Oh, I really wanted marble in here. I like laminate. I like, have you seen the new fibers? <laughs> huh? See, that's why this kind of an assignment cannot be given to everybody. What God tells you to do to build your ark of safety, you have to do exactly that. You can't be picking up somebody else's idea. Everybody has a good testimony about different things. But you can't take that and run with it and try to make it yours. 
You, you can be inspired by somebody's, you can be encouraged by their testimony, but you can't grab it and make it yours. You understand? Now there are times when the, the spirit of prophecy does rest on a testimony and you will get that quickening in you that that's the way God is going to do for you, but, but it's not for you to grab that and go pattern your life off the last testimony you heard. Cause there's a new one coming every five minutes. You understand what I'm saying? And so God will put, put within you what he wants you to do in order to make your ark and make that <clears throat> place of security for your family and your loved ones. And he says, you shall make rooms with it in it. And shall pitch it within and without. And that means make it leak proof and waterproof. And what's the pitch that you're using to make your ark secure enough that you know all your family members are going to get saved? Amen. What are you, what's the glue that's holding that and keeps, and is going to keep them from slipping away and going into outer darkness? What's that pitch? Amen. What's that pitch? It's different for different people. And sometimes God won't tell you specifically what to do, but you know for a fact that you've got to continue walking with God and being obedient to God and never give up praying for them, never give up believing for them. No matter what they do and how much they uh, blaspheme and how much they run away from God and say mean things about God. Amen. You don't quit. If your words shake them up, you got to get bigger words to shake them up some more. Because if they're shaken and not converted, something's got to get more prominent. See what I'm saying? Something's got to get bigger. Remember the disciples when they heal the man at the gate beautiful and they got arrested. The Sanhedrin and the Pharisees told them, uh, don't preach anymore in this name. Don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And they told him, they said, well, whether it's, a, it's good for us to obey man instead of God, you have to decide. And so when they went back to their own company and got people who were out of the fear of the situation to pray with them, huh? you got to know who your own company is. You can't just go get anybody to pray with you. you got to have your own company so when they come with an answer, it'll be the answer of God for you. Amen. Sometimes we have to lay down our our antagonism and our wanting to show people how spiritual you are and you don't need them and all this kind of stuff and proving to people this, that, and the other. You kind of have to lay that down and say, God, you know what? You send me wherever you want to send me. You let just I want your help to come to me. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care who it comes from. But I need your help, Lord. And and learn how to stay in the place that God placed you to be in. Amen. Sometimes he's not giving us to do all these different things we think we're called to do. He's just giving us to to stay focused on putting the pitch on the wood so your boat won't leak. Amen. You don't want a leaky boat in this this call. And he says, and in, in this is the fashion which you shall make it. The length of it shall be 300 cubits, 50 cubits, a height of it 30 cubits. A window you shall make in the ark. And in the cubits shall you, fi- you finish above it. And the door of the ark. He gave him detail on detail 
on detail. Your understanding of how to get your family is not finished until you get the details. God will give you details of how to bring them in. He'll give you details of how to live for, before them. He'll give you details on how to make sure your witness is is airtight. It's is leak proof. That's what you want. You want to have a leak proof witness to your loved ones, your family members, to every to the outside everybody. You got me? You know, people will say things like that. Well, God uses me to get other people saved, but I don't know about my family. You need to ask him about that. You know, sometimes things that puzzle us, we need to take to God. You know? Many times he's using you so you won't get discouraged. He'll use you to get other people saved and and pray for them and all of that stuff so you don't faint and lose heart about your family because it's not their time yet. You understand? It it might take some time to get them in. But he's got to do some curse. And see what will happen is people stop witnessing to anybody and stop trying with anybody and just go and do what they want to do all day long. Hmm? Need to pray that prayer for everybody. God, let me touch a neighbor. <gasps> Not a neighbor. They're going to know. They should know already. You got me? They should definitely know. What are you going to do if your neighbors go to hell and, and you've been right next door to them? Hmm? That's how Sandy Brown got saved. She won so many souls and people got, there were healings all over her ministry everywhere she went. Healings, miracles, till the devil got in her mind and, and started to wreak havoc in her personal life. It's a very powerful woman, soul winning. That's why we had her at our first conference. And so, but she was saved because a neighbor who had been recently saved, a woman who had been recently saved, got up and prayed one morning and said, God, I just want to do something. You've been so good to me. I, I just want whatever you want me to do, God. I want to. I want to. I want to witness for you. I want to. Just give me something to do, God. Anything to do. And he told her. He said, "Go over to your neighbor, and ask to borrow a cup of sugar." And when she got over there, she asked for the sugar, and she looked over at Sandy, and she said her hand was shaking as she gave her neighbor the cup. And she said, lady, I don't know what your problem is, but Jesus Christ is your answer. And she grabbed the sugar and shot out of there before it wasn't even a conversation. It wasn't even a, you know, offer to pray. It was the best she could do. But Sandy said there came a time later that she remembered that. And in her darkest hour she began to call on Jesus Jesus if you're there that lady told me you could help me Jesus where are you you got me she'd never been in a church before she'd never been around Christians before but she had that one name that was above every name God can do that with anybody who will be used by him who will ask him to use me just say God I want to see my whole block saved I want to see everybody, everybody that I come into contact with. If you'll pray that prayer, then the confidence that God will use you will come over you. Amen. And he'll use you when you least suspect it, when you're not trying to think of anything to say. 
He will help you. Amen. That, that trying to plan and conjure is worst thing in the world. Best thing to do is make yourself available by asking him to use you. Stay in your word. See, God, I'm, I'm walking with you. I want to study my word more. I want to stay where you want me to be so I'll be available. I'll be full of the word so that I can speak to people and, and give them what they need and not try to read the whole Bible to people and bore them to death, you know, that kind of thing. But, but just let God fill your mouth with words. Amen. And be willing to get shot down. That, that should have nothing to do with anything. Because when the disciples went back and asked and prayed and asked God to, to give them an answer for whether or not they should continue the ministry. And God God said, the you know, the disciples that were with them prayed and asked God to give them more boldness. The fact that they were now intimidated and fearful meant that that boldness had begun to shrunk, shrink. So they said, God, more boldness. Amen. The sword you stuck them with wasn't wasn't long enough. It didn't penetrate enough. We need more power down here to do the things that need to be done. And that's true of every ge- in every generation. You need to ask God for more power. Power to see people healed. You know, God, I want to pray for the sick and I want to make sure that they recover. Amen. And I want to do it without doubt in my head, you know. And let the Holy Ghost take over. And quit being so, so, um, you know, like carnal minded, weak minded, like, oh, it's never going to happen. Why doesn't this happen to me? And how come I don't get to pray for anybody? You got to leave that street. You got to get on a different street now. You got to get on the street of boldness and confidence. Lord, keep me bold and confident. Keep me in a place where, where you will use me and, and everything that I say, you will honor and you will prosper me. Amen. So in verse 17, he said, and behold, I, even I do bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that that is in the earth shall die. But with you, I will establish my covenant. And that's what God is doing with his people in the earth now. He's establishing his covenant with his people. Amen. He's establishing that he will preserve our life for a reason so that he can have a people in the earth will, who will live like he wants them to live before men. Amen. He just wants us to live for him. He wants us to do what he tells us to do when he tells us to do it without fail. Amen. So God always needs a man to establish his covenant. This is God's continual quest that he have his righteous in the earth. He will never totally remove the righteous from the earth. Well, except at the end of the age. But So this is household salvation. He always saves those in our bloodline. Amen. And he will allow us to intercede for them. Just spend some time in front of God and say, God, I thank you for household salvation. I thank you, Lord, that everybody, my all my children, all my grandchildren, and Lord, let me see their salvation while I'm in the land of the living. Because I've heard some very weak, some very strange sounding people say, well, I just believe God will save them in his time. Why would you want to put something like that off? 
He says today is the day of, now's the appointed time. It's not appointed for later, it's appointed for now. Well, suppose it don't happen now. It'll happen at some now if you keep believing for now. Huh? One day is going to be now. But it won't be if you keep putting it off and feeling comfortable. Well, maybe not while I'm alive, but why? Don't you want to see them lift up their hands and worship God? Don't you want to see it? Well, ask God to let you see it. Amen. And act like you want to see it. You know, don't, don't be so, you know, if you never see them worship, you never see them go to church, you never see anything like that. Give me a break. Come on now. That's for them. Why would you like to want them to just continue to serve the devil forever and get comfortable with that? Ask God to slap you around the room a couple times and get that out of you. That complacency, you know. They're living a miserable life away from God. you got to believe that. You're not miserable because you serve him. But they are because they don't. So you got to want to see people serve God. Amen. I remember praying for my husband to be saved. And one one day God asked me, he said, why do you want him saved? I'm thinking, who said that? <laughs> why, why, why? And I thought about it for a minute. I said, well, God, you know what? Because I'm supposed to pray for him. At least I was honest. I'm supposed to. Huh? Supposed to. And he made me sit down and think about all the things that he had done for me. He said, and don't you want to see him have that? And I said, well, yeah. He said, well, start praying for me to to help him to find relationship with me. He said, because everything you're praying, everything you enjoy about me comes out of your relationship with me. And so I began to ask God, I said, well, God, I want to see him saved so that he can have relationship with you. I want him to have peace within his heart. I want him to know, have the assurance he's not going to hell and know that you're helping him every day. Know that he can come to you as his father. Know that he can. And I began to enumerate to God all the things and the benefits of the relationship and covenant I had with him. And I found this out. The more you you search God for other benefits, the more you go through the word and find other benefits of the covenant, the more you can respond with a heart of compassion toward people who don't have it. You know, they need to have peace, Lord. They they're entitled to have your peace. They're entitled not to be harassed by the devil. Amen. They're entitled to those things and I want them to have those things. And so when we, we think about that and don't think they're enjoying their sin. That's the other deception the devil puts on people. You know, sin only has pleasure for a season. I'm telling you, if they've been doing it for a while, they're living out the wicked fruits of their sin. Illness comes. Poverty comes. All of that stuff comes because they don't live close to God. So you start enumerating to God. God, you've helped me with so much and I want to see my children and grandchildren with that. God, you've, you've, you've delivered me on so many different, and I want to see them have that. Father, I'm thanking you. Send laborers to them, Father. You don't have to be the one to witness to them all the time. Ask him for laborers. If you're the laborer, cool. But there's other laborers out there he can put in their midst and allow God, but begin to to speak to him.
You, this is you putting the pitch inside and outside on your, your ark. Your prayers are your pitch. Amen. Your, your blessings, your covenant blessings that you want them to see happen, that's the pitch that you begin to, to put and, and close up the cracks in their lives. Close up the cracks, the leaky cracks that would keep them from receiving God and from being saved. You want all that taken care of. Amen. So God gives warning. He, he told, uh, Noah what he was going to do. And in, um, uh, verses 18 to 22, he tells him how to carry out these orders. He specifies what kind of animals, uh, coming in by twos. Uh, there, there's a little modification in, in chapter seven and verse two of every clean beast. Take, uh, take them by sevens. So he had more of the clean than the unclean beasts. Amen. And so God then eventually gets Noah to fill up that ark with everything and everybody that he wants saved. God did not leave out anybody that he felt was valuable. And that's what you got to understand about your, your dealings with God and household salvation. He sees all of your blood as uh, valuable. Everybody. I don't care who they are, how rough they are, how much trouble they want to give you. They're valuable to God. And you got to ask God to help you to see people the way he sees them. You know, you can't keep the same old mindset about people. It's got to be elevated now <clears throat> so that you see people as being valuable. And not just an assignment in your life, a duty that you have to do. Uh, your heart has to tenderize toward people and you got to see them as valuable. Amen. So in, uh, seven, uh, verse, chapter seven, verse four, he says, for yet seven days, I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Amen. Every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to what God told him to do. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters. Okay, you feel you're a little too tired for all of this, what God's got you doing? Try 600 years. And Noah went in and living around so much sin and wickedness and evil. That that puts a wear on you right there. Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his son's wife with him into the ark. Because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts, beasts that are not clean, fowls, every creeping thing upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah, unto Noah, the ark, male and female, as God has commanded Noah. And it came to pass ever seven days, the waters of the flood were upon the earth. Amen. And so Noah survives the flood. In fact, God had told him how much food to take in, how much provision, all of that stuff. When God gives the righteous instructions, he does it because he knows we are going to carry them out. Amen. He could not have used a man who wanted to have a discussion about everything. God speaks in commandments. Uh, we shouldn't always be looking for a way out or a way to modify 
or a way to adjust God's commandments and his instructions. You got to learn how to just do what God tells you to do, period, and not be looking for a way to do it later or to squeeze this in or to squeeze that in or to do this or do that. You you have to be the type, type of person who understands that it's an honor that God has chosen you. I mean, the fact that he chose you when you got saved ought to be enough for you to want to do anything else he wants you to do in life, you know, without questioning, without always got something else to say or something else you want to do. You know, you've got to you got to live like that, folks. So the seven day warning has been given. God details the judgment. He always gives details to those righteous who are involved in what he's doing. He does not give vague warnings. Amen. Like, oh, you know, God's going to judge here. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. He gives specific things, folks. He'll give you a date, a time, (laughs) a year. That's what the people who give those warnings don't want a date and a time. You got me? Because then they'll have to be held accountable for their words. They just like to run around. The sky's falling. Sky's falling. Keeping people upset. Amen. So Noah obeyed God. Amen. So um, the the after the flood came, God set a rainbow in the sky as his his covenant to himself and to the earth. God says, when I see the rainbow, I remember to stop the rain, that I'm not going to let the rain continue so that it destroys everybody on the earth. Amen. So God looks at his own reminder. Man, it's not for us to take it and, you know, oh yeah, God, you're not going to destroy it. No, God reminds himself. He keeps covenant and he keeps mercy. Amen. To 10, 15, 20 generations. It's innumerable. So Noah was saved and his whole household was saved because he built his ark according to God's instructions. Amen. The righteous always do. So you can't take uh, brother so-and-so's 10 steps to getting your family saved and and that's your instructions. I mean, if God tells you to go there and do that, but pretty much God will speak to you day to day about how to pray for your household, how to pray for your loved ones, all of that. So you must build according to God's instructions. If you don't have instructions Ask him. He will always give them to you. You are not to be guessing. You're not to be doing your patchwork quilt. You know, get a little piece of fabric here and put that in, a little piece of fabric there and put that in so that half of it's rotten and it doesn't hold up. You have to build according to God's instruction. So God wants to know that we will obey him no matter what it looks like. Suppose you haven't seen rain. Suppose you have seen rain, but it's never rained like he says it's going to rain. You got me? Um, You have to build according to his instruction. Building in God is never wasted. I tell people that. Amen. Obeying God and building in God is never wasted. When Oral Roberts built the city of faith, People, people, he was so persecuted for that. I mean, seriously. It's a wonder the man was able to keep his mind straight. 
and finish doing it. Everybody realized, oh, you're supposed to be a faith healer. Why are you building a hospital? Is your faith gone? I mean, it was terrible. And I'm talking about Christians, other ministers, men and women of God. Talked about him, put him down, you know. And then when he had to close it down, oh boy. Ridicule upon ridicule upon ridicule. But, but Brother Roberts summed it up like this. He says, God is not so interested in physical, material things. He's more interested in concepts. And what he explained was, he says, God wanted people to marry the concept of healing by the word and faith and healing in natural means. Now that does not mean the natural will take over the spiritual. But how many of you know that you can be on death's door and because you're able to take a pill or something to alleviate your suffering and prolong your life, if you don't have the faith to believe for an instant healing, God wants your life to be prolonged so that you can then understand how to receive the word so that you can be healed. You got me? In instances where there's no hope for people, God will allow the word to begin to penetrate your heart so that your life is extended totally by the word. But people had gotten this legalistic understanding of you either had to believe God or you couldn't take it and see the Christian scientists were doing. They were blending and blurring the lines of Christianity. And so if they could see that a man with a healing ministry and a miracle ministry could have mercy for people who were sick and didn't have the faith to believe God right then, he said God needed to bring, bring those two concepts together. And I can receive that. I can accept that. Because, but I don't think you should, should depend on natural because that's going to run out and everybody knows that. But if, if that can help you to extend your time, alleviate suffering until your faith in the word can kick in and take over, that's the concept that he felt God wanted him to marry. And so when the city of faith left, the city of faith left. He was able to, and a lot of other things he started and distributed them to other places. He started the concept of the spirit-filled university. There had never been one before. All the Christian colleges had gone secular. They didn't even honor God anymore. Uh, you look at some of the real secular and worldly uh, liberal, liberal, liberal colleges. You wouldn't believe. I live right near Oberlin College. You wouldn't believe that was started by a minister, by Charles Finney. But it was. And so you look at a lot of these schools that, I mean, Christians started the first colleges and you all higher learning institutions were started by Christians. And so Brother Roberts had to bring that back so that people can start to learn about God 
in the university setting. Amen. So he was a, Jerry Falwell got the inspiration to build Liberty University from Brother Robert so that he began to bring God back into uh, the college setting so that people People who had children, Christians, could send their kids to a college where they could trust they wouldn't go away from God and get indoctrinated away from God. And so there were many apostles are called to do that. They are called to bring concepts and understanding of God's mercy into situations rather than just get in there and whack away at at things you know at people because they can't muster the faith together to believe God and so when we talk about uh, uh, the things that God wants to have done in the earth we have to build according to God's instruction so that God can then communicate to people what what is in his heart and in his mind and that's exactly what he had Noah to do. He built according to God's instruction so that when that, when trouble comes, that's why you're building the ark for your family. So that when trouble comes, they have a safety net. They have a place of refuge. They have a place where they can go. Amen. Your family needs to know that you pray for them. You need to tell them. Huh? How else will they know? You need to tell them that. Well, I pray for you to be saved. I pray for you to know God. I pray for you. Don't be afraid of what they're going to say. They're going to curse you out and spit on you. I'll tell you right now what they're going to do. So just don't let that be a bother to you. Just say that's a word that's been fulfilled. (laughs) They spat on me. Huh? (laughs) So, So what builds your ark? Number one, your prayers. You need to let your family know you pray for them. Your giving builds an ark. Giving of finances, resources, time, talent, all of that. Whatever you offer to the Lord, that's what builds the ark for your family to be saved. And your witness builds the ark. What do you stand for that God that God has put in you that they know is in you. See, whether you know it or not, if you have faith in God, that faith passes judgment on people. You're not doing it. The fact that you believe God automatically does it. So they feel convicted. They feel uneasy. It's better than letting them feel real comfortable around you all the time. If they're not saved, they shouldn't feel comfortable around you all the time. They should know that you're unpredictable. Amen. They should know that they can't tell what God might tell you to tell them. So they need to be a little bit on edge anyway until they come into a knowledge of God. Amen. So these things are going to happen, folks. If you're looking for it to be any different, the Bible says Noah passed judgment on the whole earth with his faith. So the whole earth was condemned and died because he believed God. God wanted to save more people, but they wouldn't let him do it. And they ran out of time for it. 
But if you are trusting God for your whole household, you're doing what he tells you to do. God, how do I make their salvation secure? How do I make sure that they're going to do what you want? They're going to fulfill the call that you have placed on them. How do I do that? He will instruct you, folks. He will tell you exactly what to do. And he will help you in the doing of it. Amen. All right. Well, Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord, for encouraging us in our faith, in all things, Lord. I thank you, Father, that the spiritual must take precedence now over the natural, that we have got to um, knuckle down and buckle down and work on the spiritual aspects of our walk with you so that we can be like Noah and we can be like Enoch, that we can have that closeness with you that will cause us to live joyfully, have all the provision that we need, everything that we need, and that we it will secure us during difficult times. So we do thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, I'll pray for you.